Now, PW Torch and Spreaker bring you the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast. Ten years ago this week on the flagship, James Caldwell guest hosted for me, and he was joined by Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net. And they talked about the launch of WWE Network. They talked about that week's Raw. They also discussed where WWE should go from there with transitional stars like Batista, Roman Reigns, Cesaro, and others, plus the state of ROH and Impact Wrestling, and some mailbag questions in the VIP exclusive after show. This originally dropped on February 25th, 2014, and it is today's Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast, 10 years ago flagship flashback for Wednesday, February 28th, 2024. Here we go. You are listening to the PW Torch Livecast. Today is Tuesday. It's February 25th, 2014. This is Torch Assistant Editor James Caldwell hosting the show today for Torch Editor Wade Keller, who's currently finishing up this week's Torch Newsletter. I mean, there's a ton to cover this week, so uh, Wade is busy doing the newsletter. He'll be on the Livecast Thursday. Um, so Wade and I will be switching this week. And uh, But the constant here on the Livecast this week is Jason Powell of ProWrestling.net. Uh, Jason, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, James. Don't let him lie to you, though. Wade has a rule that he and I can only like speak so many times, and we just saw each other on Sunday, so clearly he couldn't do the live cast with me today. He's, he's got his quota. It was, it was too much. Yeah, yeah was, clearly yeah. too much. I, I have that effect on people. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on uh, the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. You, uh, you said you and Wade were both there on Sunday. Man, a lot has happened since then. Uh, the Network, Raw, Hulk Hogan, The Undertaker, John Cena, fake injury. There, there's no shortage of things to discuss. So, Jason, looking over these last three days, Chamber, actually two days, feels like three days, two days, Chamber, and Monday, with the craziness of Monday throughout the day. Like, what, what's your, you're sitting here on Tuesday afternoon, what's sort of your takeaway from the last couple of days of craziness in wrestling? Boy, that I guess I mean obviously the network is the biggest thing. Uh, despite Hogan, Taker, and all of that, it's been I think the network has been the thing that I've just been most paying the most attention to, being bombarded with when it comes to emails from people, either telling me their network experience, whether it's positive, whether it's negative, uh, and just you know just also wanting to just sit back and try to check out as much as I can. When I can, I mean, I, I got to be honest, James. I haven't even turned it on today. There's just been so much going on. It's just been, it's it's one of those crazy times in wrestling. It's fun. Yeah, I, I was the same place you were about, now pretty much throughout the day. And then I I sat there at like two thirty, and I was like, I feel like I should like watch the network and see what's going on. You know, just because it, it is such new ground and territory for you and I covering wrestling. We cover it all day long. Wade Keller covers it all day long. Um, so it's like, how much of the network are we supposed to be covering? You know, I'm, I was going, I mean, yesterday, Monday, I was going to do a three hour blog on the first three shows on the network. You know, they're going to have the original pro, they're going to have three original programs to start the deal, but then you couldn't access the network, you know, so I kind of threw that out the window, but I, I'm with you. I'm kind of trying to figure out like how much of this show we'll be paying attention to, how much of it is the novelty until things kind of settle down. But then there's also the new programming, like, you know, this Thursday with the NXT show and superstars and main event and all that. So th- this is all very interesting. And it's, like you said, the big story is people having trouble, um, you know, accessing it. There's, you know, the on-demand issues. There's buffering issues. 
Um, I've had this stream on for a couple hours um, since 2.30. And, you know, a, a few buffering issues I'm watching on Apple TV. That's how I set mine up. So um, a, a lot of those first week of kinks to work out. And, um, yeah, I mean, do, do you sense that it's going to affect how people view the network? Or do you think, you know, when the renewal comes up in six months, no one will even be, no one will even be thinking about this, you know, this first couple, first couple of days and glitches? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I've, I've received some angry emails, not at me, but just at, yeah. the, at the whole system and the setup and people <laughs> that, in some cases, yeah. okay. well, yeah, I mean, some of them get so fired up, I'm surprised they don't. I might be the only person they're not <laughs> blaming or, or, or angry with, and I, I just, you want it, you want it now, and I get that, but I think people need to kind of take a breath and realize it's week one, you know, and there, there are hiccups with things like this. It's a shame it didn't work, uh, but it seems like they're being pretty upfront about hey you know we're, we're working on this and here's a timeline for when it might be repaired or might be ready to go on this format I, I you know if this is still an issue when we're when when i talk with wade at this time next week then we get we have some real problems i, I think the thing that was so most encouraging was last night the live feed i didn't have really any hiccups there might have been something with maybe my internet caused something or there was like one little thing where i think somebody ended up it looked like they were just going repeating a line like three times or something like that. So I don't know if that was on. It could have just been a production thing. May not even had anything to do with the network. So there were some hiccups, but it, it went smoothly. And I think once they kind of get all the bugs worked out, people are going to just okay. It didn't work out. You're going to have your angry fans that want their full week free trial because they don't have any intention of actually paying for this thing. But I, I can only be so sympathetic to them. I'm sure they'll do other free trials. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought the best part of the network yesterday was that live stream for the the pre and the post game. I didn't have any hiccup. I, I, I do know what you know what you said there. There was a slight hiccup, and it was like kind of a, it didn't catch up. And so like the the po, the like the pregame show like went a couple minutes over the hour because there was that that buffering. And then I was so I was I was like, how do I do this? You know, uh, switching back to you know regular cable TV or you know your case satellite to watch Raw. So it was. Um, it was a unique experience covering Raw last night for the pregame show, the actual Raw, postgame show. Uh, what was that going to look like? So Mondays are even more fascinating for you and me, Jason, covering Raw um, on an extensive basis. So um, we will get to Raw in, in a second here. I want to get to I want to get to phone calls right away as we have a, a, just a ton of calls. So I want to jump right in. Well, we'll definitely break down Raw, take your calls on that plus the network. Um, if anyone still wants to talk Elimination Chamber, Jason's the guy for that. He was there for it on Sunday. So, uh, man, the Chamber just feels like it was like weeks ago, Jason, uh, with everything that's happened. So, it really does. You know, it's kind of unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, but we'll definitely talk Chamber and, of course, WrestleMania. You know, we have pretty much the big four set. And, of course, the big question mark is how do they find a way to end the pay-per-view on a happy note uh, based on how things stand? So that's, you know, that's kind of fascinating to discuss and predict. So uh, we'll get all that with phone calls. And uh, and uh, we'll take a take a lot of calls. And uh, let's go ahead and start off in the VIP Express lane. Uh, first up is VIP member Mike out of Woodbury from the six five one area code. Welcome to the show, Mike. How are you doing today? Hey, hey, great, great talking to you guys, Mike from Woodbury, Minnesota. How how are we doing? Sounds good. Doing good. Still I got. Uh, yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah. You know that was tough yesterday. I, I wanted a nap real bad yesterday, but didn't happen. So. I slept in a little bit today. Yeah, I, I think I got about three or four. I, I had to be at the airport bright and early, so I think I could have avoided all the hiccups because it seemed like 
The people that went on before the advertised launch time were fine. I got home about 20 minutes after, and so it took me about 90 minutes to get signed up. But uh, enough about my whining. I'm in. It's all good. And now if I can just uh, find times when they're not replaying WWE superstars, I'll be happy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, welcome to the network. Here's a superstars replay. Yeah, that was kind of the case yesterday, <laughs> as, you, as you tweeted. Uh, Mike, what's in your mind today? Well, nothing. Uh, you know, I was at Elimination Chamber on Sunday as well. And really, I, I did enjoy the show. I mean, it definitely wasn't perfect. I probably wouldn't have been wholly satisfied had I ordered it at home, but to be there live for the Chamber and see how that kind of match goes off in person and then the Shield and the Wyatts was a really unique experience and really great experience. Um, uh, one one thought I had about that particular Wyatt Shield match was uh, everybody uh, came out of it still looking pretty strong. And I think something that helped uh, is – those guys all came up from the same class at NXT in the developmental center. So I think they already, while young, have a really good rapport with each other. And I think that's something, uh, a positive, a hidden positive that we can see coming out of uh, the future in NXT is uh, some of uh, that rapport that guys in the territory days might have been able to get, but 10 years ago might have not been able to get. But um, I guess my question today is how do you see them building up Bray Wyatt to get to the big Cena match? I mean, the injury angle last night I thought was a good start, but they still have some work to do. And then number two, just a random question that I've always meant to ask but uh, always forget is, do you guys get to write off expenses for something like pay-per-views of the WWE Network? Because uh, it really adds up, but I, I was just curious about that now that it is tax season. And I'll, I'll hang up and listen. Sure. All right. Good topic, Mike. Thanks for calling in. Um, we'll, we'll take the uh, we'll take the tax thing first, uh, Jason. I mean, this is our full time job, so yeah, I I write off pay per views, um, network, cable, internet, you know, everything that I need to do in my job. It's all tax write off. So yeah, um, everything that I do work related to tax write off. A- anything you'd like to add on that on that tax note, Jason? Uh, I mean, that's just it. Yeah, I mean, anything that uh, is work related is fair game, and and so. The network isn't even so much the costly part. It's that's gonna. It's we're gonna be saving money because of the uh, just the, the reduction of pay per views. Of course, we finally. I'm like, hey, hey, wow, a month without a pay per view, and then TNA like as pay per views in March and April. So we're not gonna quite see the savings just yet, but at least it's not a TNA and a WWE pay per view. But yeah, they're all they're all right off worthy. Everything is definitely. Uh, as far as uh, Bray, Cena, throwing Roman Reigns, you know, Bray Wyatt, Roman Reigns was a match, kind of as Mike talked about, a match that you would have seen at NXT, you know, maybe a year or two years ago. Now it's a main event of Raw. I, I think because that six-man tag was so good on Sunday, it seemed like they tried to, okay, let's do a singles match with, you know, Reigns and Bray. Uh, match didn't really take last night. Um, I mean, you could go a lot of different factors, worn-out crowd, sort of a... You know, um, I, I think Roman Reigns is better if, if they're making him the sympathetic babyface out of the Shield, or, or just the babyface in general coming out of the Shield. I, I think it's better if he remains sort of with the unit, so that by comparison he looks more likable standing next to the other two. When you put him out there by himself, I think it's kind of he's still in that early stage of developing into a babyface. I think the crowd's not quite ready for that, so it was kind of I just thought it was really bad timing last night. Um, so, Jason, what did you think about the main event last night? You saw the six-man tag in person, pay-per-view. Then you get the one-on-one with Bray and Reigns on last night. Uh, and then what do you think about how they build to Bray and Cena at WrestleMania? 
Well, I think the match was just, uh, I think they did overreact. They thought, okay, we got this great reaction. Now let's put the leaders in the single ma- singles match. And, you know, maybe I, I was excited about it when they announced it. I, I think we all should have seen it coming because we saw a split reaction at, at Elimination Chamber. It was, you know, maybe 55-45 in favor of the Shield. There were a lot of people cheering for the Wyatts there. Roman Reigns, they want to be the babyface. They're not going to turn Bray Wyatt babyface. But they they just don't have enough. The fans don't really seem to have enough hatred for Bray Wyatt yet. He hasn't done anything all that evil. He's an evil character that just hasn't really gone there, other than attacking Cena, who gets that mixed reaction. So that was part of the problem. And you know, if if Reigns is in there with somebody that the people want to see get roughed up, well, then it, you you get a different reaction than you do where it's just kind of they're waiting to be entertained. They, they're not really sure how they're supposed to react because it's not like Reigns has gone full-fledged babyface yet either. So it, it was just an awkward decision. I, things livened up, fortunately. Seth Rollins, the guy who I, I thought really stole the show at the Elimination Chamber, he comes out does that big flip over the top. There's buzz for the six-man. There's not so much buzz for the singles element of this. Wyatt... I don't know that having John Cena pretend like he was suffered a really fluky injury. I don't see how that puts any heat on the Wyatts. That I, I mean, I, I really praise Cena for the job he did selling that because I was wondering. I'm like, wow, it looked like maybe he did suffer a fluky injury, but I don't mm-hmm. see how that really translates right now. I mean, they can certainly target that knee going forward, but I, I mean, I just continue to feel like it's too soon for Bray Wyatt to be in there with John Cena, and I just hope that this setting up the knee injury is setting up an excuse for Cena to lose. Not so much because I'm not trying to be an anti-Cena guy, but because I don't see the point in building up Bray Wyatt aggressively for the next five, six weeks, whatever it is, just to feed him to John Cena. Yeah, I'm with you on your one of those points you made, which I think it's way too early for a Bray-Cena match of Mania. You know, I know there's that sense of like, well, you know, they got to make new stars, and Cena's a guy you can make a star with. I, I just I don't think it's the right time. Um, I, I think I think this year's and I'll, I'll just kind of big picture real quick for a second. Get back to Cena and Bray, but I feel like this year's Mania, Jason, is off on all the timing. I feel like Brock and Taker is three years too late. You know they had the big UFC run in. Man, there were, everybody wanted to see that match. Didn't happen. Next year, didn't happen. Next year, you know, okay, Brock comes back. It doesn't happen. Now it's like, okay, that thing happened. What was that? I think it was 2009. I think it was when they had that run-in at uh, the UFC show. That's five years, you know, that's, or you know, four and a half. Um, that's a long time. I, I just don't sense there's a lot of that, oh, I can't wait to see this right now. And part of that's because Brock Lesnar has been reduced as a draw. Um, Cena Bray, I think, is too early. Obviously, Orton Batiste is all way off. Um, and then Brian and Triple H was, you know, was supposed to be Triple H and Punk. Um, so I, I feel like this is all kind of pointing to some bigger problems, which is the timing, aligning the talent in the right way. You know, they're just, it just, it's off to me, Jason. I mean, do you get the same sense or do you kind of see maybe there's some, some ways they can, as you said, with, you know, Bray and Cena for the next five weeks, try to make this work, um, and, and make the other programs work as well, or, or are they kind of stuck where they are? I think this is Vince got really stubborn. You know, uh, Wade, Wade, you and Wade were reporting that uh, the WWE had creative uh, meetings where all you know anything was open for discussion as far as WrestleMania is concerned. And here we are looking at basically the same WrestleMania lineup. Now maybe something happens with Batista. I know there's certainly you know it, it appears he took a step toward 
maybe being a heel. Right now he's kind of in that, he's playing the John Cena card, and I don't think it's going very well, and I, and I hope that's not what they have in mind, where you can decide who to cheer for, because he's going to get booed. Anywhere it matters, where there's television cameras present, he's going to get booed. The one match out of that that I think there's going to be some some real... I mean, Taker Brock is going to appeal to the masses more so than the hardcore fan. There's, there's just... I, I think when the casual viewer sees those two names listed side by side uh, in advertising, you're like, ooh, that's big. I don't know that it's going to play that way without the right build-up to just the hardcore fan who's going to be watching on the network or ordering the pay-per-view in, in most cases anyway. But the one I do see that I think clicks is hunter and daniel bryan because they have the built-in storyline they have the history i always thought it was weird that it was going to be punk in the first place because bryan's a guy with issues with hunter more so than punk ever has but it's also the match that people don't want to see because they want to see daniel bryan challenging for the title so even that's a bit awkward so yeah i mean to to get back to what you were saying yes james i i totally agree yeah, and, and like you said, I thought, okay, maybe there's an opening. McMahon might change his mind. But everything points to the stubbornness, like you said. And so I'm wondering, and, and we put this poll up on pwtorch.com today, of you know, what's the best way to end WrestleMania? Like, well, How do you make this thing work? Um, and right now, uh, with uh, 2,500 votes cast, 68% going with Daniel Bryan somehow winning the WWE title after the Batista Orton match which they kind of had Paul Heyman tease with Brock Lesnar on Raw last night. So they're at least acknowledging it for Brock, not for Brian. Um, another possibility is, you know, whoever wins Batista Orton, Brian comes out, knocks out both guys, stands over both of them with the belt. Obviously he doesn't win the belt, but he stands over them. The crowd's doing yes. The show closes on sort of a bittersweet note. You know, he's not champion, but he's standing tall at the end. Um, I, I mean, Jason, is, is there a way to get I mean, to get there to that point of a happy ending at WrestleMania where the crowd's just not, yeah, that's, that was an okay WrestleMania. Uh, you know, let, let's look forward to, to the next night's Raw. You know, hey, the, the party's at Raw the next night. Who cares about WrestleMania? I mean, you don't want that feeling. Um, so how, how do you end this show? How do you end WrestleMania on a happy note this year? I, it's it's one of two things. Uh, the, the obvious being Daniel Bryan does win that championship somehow, some way. Triple H's match has a stipulation. He gets a... Either they turn it into a triple threat. I mean, I don't like just how awkward it's going to be, but that's there's a way you get there, as clumsy as it would be, to get Daniel Bryan winning. The other one isn't nearly as exciting. It, it, it's Taker extends the streak. And, I mean, if they go out there and tear the house down, okay, it's going to feel like a moment. If it's just even, you know, it's a, if it's a good match, it, and, and but it not Taker streak recent years worthy, then, you know, it's going to feel a little flat for the, for the end of the show. I mean, I'm optimistic about Taker and, and Brock, but I've just I, I've seen Taker have more success lately with uh, guys like Shawn Michaels and, and uh, certainly CM Punk, who can create a lot of that motion for him. I mean, Brock is great at what he does. I just want to see, I need to see, you know, kind of how they mesh in the ring. To I don't really have a good feel. I mean, I'm open to it being a, a hell of a match, but I, I can't close the door on, eh, it's going to be a little disappointing because, when, you know, not that not the Taker and Triple H was disappointing, and, and Hunter's not a guy that's creating a lot of motion, but I think Brock also works best when he's in there with somebody that can create a lot of motion for him as well. So it's, uh, it, I, I, 
to be if I'm them, I mean, I think the obvious move is somehow, some way, you do get Daniel Bryan in that title picture. But James, let me ask you: Do you think could, as much as the internet would have a field day with this and the conspiracy, is there some argument to be made for the happy moment? Is Daniel Bryan beating Triple H in the last match of the show with the idea that now he has a title shot with, without? You know, there's some stipulation that guarantees he really gets one. No drama, no nonsense, and it's not at WrestleMania. That's interesting, uh, because yeah, the, the two that I've put in my mind as going on last are either Taker Brock or Batista Orton. Uh, Brian Hunter, I mean, that, that, would, that would be the match that's had the most build. If you go back to SummerSlam in August, you know, obviously that's had, that issue's been there the long, you know, longer than the, the two. If you look at just this current timeline, obviously Taker and, and Brock had their deal five years ago, but in this timeline... Uh, That'd be interesting, yeah. I mean, Brian beats Hunter, and by virtue of that, he gets the title shot at the next pay-per-view. Um, that, yeah, that might be a way to, to have the happy ending and it not feel like, you know, uh, really kind of depressing that Brian's not champion coming out of, rest, uh, out of WrestleMania for the audience that wants to see the journey complete. So, yeah, I could see that happening. Plus, Hunter would get to go on last. I'm sure he'd love that, you know, so that. that Oh, kind of, my gosh. The, the fans will have a field day, I'm telling you. The conspiracy theorists <laughs> will, will just go crazy over that one. I know, right? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm not rolling anything out. I mean, it, they've got a big four that doesn't feel like a big four yet. You know, maybe it does by the time they get to, you know, April 6th. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I guess Brian Hunter's got to be considered as maybe going on last. I think that's got to be a possibility to at least consider um, going forward. So we'll see. Uh, Jason, let me get you a, a chance to plug your website. You're at ProWrestling.net. And uh, why don't you talk to the live cast listeners about your website and your membership page. Absolutely. I'm ProWrestling.net today. My WWE Raw hit list, the WWE Raw viewership numbers just came in, and those are available on the main page right now at ProWrestling.net. Uh, strong first hour. Not so much for the third. I mean, we don't know what the overrun did, which featured a lot of the Undertaker and Brock Lesnar segment there. But it was one of those nights where it started strong and kind of worked its way down. But those numbers and, and a lot more, all the news of the day, available on the main page of ProWrestling.net. If you are interested in membership, it is an ad-free version of the website. You get all the exclusive audio content that we offer, and it's a ton. A lot of times uh, we're doing the ProWrestling.net live show on Mondays. That's 90 minutes in length. That is an all-access show at blogtalkradio.com slash pro wrestling dot net so when you're done here go take a listen to that but in addition to that the members are getting anywhere between six well six seven eight hours of of exclusive audio content oftentimes the dot net weekly show has first run news items and certainly all, all the uh, analysis of the week as well uh, Chris Shore and I and then I uh, usually get together with another co-host sometimes on Friday we've broken that one into two parts. And there's just tons of audio content available, including the .NET Countdown show that will be up tomorrow with Jake Barnett and Will Pruitt, counting down the best and worst moments of the week. Yes, they were doing it before WWE did. Anyway, uh, all the uh, membership details are available right there on the main page of ProWrestling.net. There's a sign-up area, and for as little as $5.50 a month if you take the annual option, you can have access to all the perks of membership. If you just want to try it out for one month, see if it's for you, that's cool too. $7.50, but again, all the details available at ProWrestling.net. And uh, if you have any questions, hit me up on Twitter, at ProWrestlingNet. Leave the dot out of that one, at ProWrestlingNet. Very good. Uh, let's go on with some more phone calls. We're going to stay in the VIP Express lane. And uh, next up is VIP member Tyler at the 559 area code. 
Welcome to the show, Tyler. Please, uh, well, we know your name. Go ahead. What's your, what are your thoughts are today? Hey, this is Tyler from uh, Hanford, California. Uh, I'm going to keep Don't it short and sweet. Uh, typical, typical network question. Uh, I have a Roku player, and yeah. uh, I'm not getting all the pay-per-views. I'm not getting anything from, like, 2006 to 2001. And I just want to know if you've been hearing anything else about that. Also, one more. On my Galaxy Note 3, I can't log into the network on my phone. It says, unable to co- uh, connect to the responder. Please try again later. And it's been saying that ever since I've subscribed. That's all from me. Keep up the great work. And if any other callers have the same problem, voice it. Okay, thank you. Sure. All right, good call, Tower. Thanks for calling in. Um, I, I had not heard those issues on the Roku or the Galaxy, Jason. Had you heard those from your readers? No, but thank you for calling WWE Network Customer Support. Uh, we are experiencing some heavy traffic issues, and we hope to have all of your issues resolved very soon. What was that statement WWE had yesterday? They're uh, uh, working aggressively. I think they're aggressive in their attempts to reconcile these issues. Yeah, uh, I think that was no, the right I mean, word. I was, um, to be serious, I yeah. just I don't have a Roku player. I've got I'm hooked up on PS3 and PS4, and things have gone for the most part smoothly. But I know. Xbox 360 is the one they're saying is they, they you know Microsoft's come out and said there's an issue with it no timetable there. Do you remember the one they were saying I think it was like 20% of the users are having issues with video on demand and they hope to have that resolved by like 5 today and I I guessing they meant Eastern time but I don't even know. So if 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 it's something you haven't checked out recently you might want to check out again or keep checking it tonight to see if they make good on that. But uh I mean it, 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 not to be rude at all, but I, I really would, if you're having major issues, try to contact their customer service and see what they can do for you. Because, uh, I, I, James, believe it or not, I just found out today, Bruce Mitchell has a Roku box, and I, I never thought Bruce Mitchell would be the guy you go to for technical questions, but he has a Roku box. Okay. He could he could have really come in handy here. I know, right? Yeah, we need that Bruce call into the show and, uh, and let us know how it's doing for him, but... Uh... Yeah, I mean, I, I got the Apple TV at Best Buy, and, and now he's like, that's, that's about as far as I'm going to go with streaming media. I'm I'm, I'm a cable TV guy, um, and so I caved in and got the Apple TV, so I at least access the network. I have an iPhone, but um, I just, I don't like to be bombarded with devices, and I feel like I don't use them, and I don't, you know, get my money's right. worth from them. So um, that's just how I am. So I got the Apple TV, and, and it's pretty cool. I have it on my TV. You know, the uh, right now the network is they've got the Legends. Uh, well, I guess it's not a Legends roundtable. It's just the uh, the Sean Brett. Uh, I guess the DVD they put on uh, on demand. So it's kind of cool to see that. A lot of old school footage. A lot of the Attitude Era when guys <laughs> when guys went to shows without their shirts, Jason, or, or they lost them at some point during the show. Uh, <laughs> it was either the tank top or the shirtless guy in the front row. Oh, that was like the Attitude Era. So. Um, did, did you see any of that, Jason? Any shirtless men walking around at uh, the chamber on Sunday? No. The, the most disturbing thing was it was. I mean, I I, I I shave my head, and people are always asking me, like, man, isn't it cold? And it's like I don't think hair gives that much protection. It's never bothered me there, so I can walk around downtown without a hat on, and people think I'm nuts. But I saw a 12 year old kid, at, you know, 10 to 12 years old, with his family, walking around in a short sleeve T-shirt. Waiting in line, going over to wait in a long line in the freezing cold, no shirtless people. That you usually get in Green Bay at Lambeau Field, but since last <laughs> night was indoors, there, there was no need for that. <laughs> I like it. I had to get you on a Vikings Packers talk somehow, some way. Um, 
But after, Did you see after, that one guy? Yeah, he, he started it at Raw last night. My God, he had the anti-Minnesota sign. How dare he? <laughs> yeah, there was a Go Pat Go chant, I think, during one of the matches, too. I'm sure I'm sure that was cringeworthy. So, yeah. Um, I, exp- I, I had, I had to play a little way to get a little Minnesota talking on the show today. So, so Wade will be happy about that. Um, <laughs> there we go. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, Tyler, thanks for the call. Uh, we're going to go to another VIP member, Tyler. Uh, this is from the 905 area code. Uh, Tyler, welcome to the show. Let us know what's in your mind today. Tyler from Aurora, Ontario. Hi, James. I just wanted to comment on Batista and Randy Orton. And I, I'll pull sure. this quote here. I was never a Batista fan at all. But I don't know how they can do a Batista-Randy Orton match, even for the title, even third from the top. Uh, because if Batista turns heel... And Randy Orton's a heel. That's the first time in WrestleMania history, I believe, that it will be a heel versus a heel. And even if they turn Randy Orton face, they've uh, they've uh, got him so bad, like they've written him so badly over the last month from being a, a kiss-off to the McMahon that it wouldn't work. And secondly, I would just like you guys' opinions on, do you think the crowds are becoming more and more uh, defiant now, like usually it happens the night after WrestleMania, maybe in Chicago, maybe I'm from Toronto, so we're from Bizarro Land, so um, you think it's becoming more of an issue, issue now, and if it continues uh, into the summer, do you think uh, they might change the way they book and program? Thanks a lot, and I'll hang up and listen. All right. Good, good, uh, good topics, Tower. Thanks for calling in. Uh, I, I want to start with the crowd defiance, then we'll go back to Batista and Orton. Uh, yeah, I mean, Jason, it does seem like it is a little bit more, um, I guess it's catching on more, and I, I think part of it is the three-hour Raw format. It's such a long show to sit through that it, it's kind of like the delirium kind of kicks in, the crowd gets restless, and um, and so they're like, oh, yeah, what are those other fans doing the other shows where, you know, where they're sitting through, sitting through three hours? Oh, yeah, they started chanting random stuff, you know, during matches, so... It could be a little bit of a copycat, a three-hour format. There's also, I think there is some, um, you know, fighting against the booking. I think that's definitely in play. Uh, I mean, Jason, I mean, do you see it as a problem, you know, when it starts spreading to, not, uh, you know, like like Tyler said, non-hardcore audiences, or is it more seasonal and they just kind of have to, have to, kind of have to ride the wave out uh, on how this, see how this plays out? I think they should embrace it. I mean, you can't go all the way with the attitude era for, for you know the obvious reasons of sponsorship and everything. But they seem to have a younger, rebellious male audience that is going to, especially pay per views. They're, they're turning out at uh, you know in Pittsburgh. I was told was, and I assumed it was more of a, a Pittsburgh heavy crowd. But as people are saying that were there, now there's a lot of people that kind of traveled all over from the East Coast because it was a rumble. The chamber was uh, you know by and large a Minnesota crowd and. It really was, you know, comparing it to some of the other events I've been to in, in Minneapolis that WWE's brought here in the last couple of years, it was just a younger, boisterous crowd where, you know, yeah, you had some families, but it's night and day compared to what happens for, uh, for instance, even the SmackDown taping I went to back in, uh, the day after Labor Day in September. It, there were a lot more families there. And so I think the live events, for whatever reason, bring in a lot of families. The, the television events... You're starting to see this. Now, we didn't, you know, there's still 
certain areas where it doesn't seem to be much of an issue. It wasn't like the crowd was rabid in Omaha, for instance. Um, but I, I, I just I think there's a way to embrace it. And I, I don't even have all the answers on this, that's for sure. But I think you need to embrace it and be happy you have such a passionate fan base. You don't want to cater just to the Internet fans. But I think this is going beyond the Internet fan. I just think there's a, a fan base now that – Maybe some of them are net savvy and, 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 you know, as far as the wrestling sites and things go, but I, I also think it's a combination of there's the net savvy fans that are cheering for the people they like, and it just happens to be, in many cases, the same people that a lot of the just young, rebellious wrestling fans like. I, I don't think it's all just, oh, these are all just the smarks based on what I saw on Sunday. I, and I think there's a copycat element um, in terms of, and this is, I've heard this from people in WWE that, uh, McMahon is not nervous, but one thing McMahon pays attention to that might concern him is if if the hardcore audience starts picking up on something, whether it's you know chanting the wrong things during a ma- you know quote unquote wrong things during the match or or booing Batista or uh, cheering uh, Del Rio. You know, I mean, I, I don't think that the crowd's really cheering Del Rio right now because of Del Rio, just because he's he's the anti-Batista at the moment, but. Uh, there's a, there's there, WWE has this idea that if that audience really picks up steam, even if it's you know 15%, their concern is that the other 85%, the casuals, are going to start copying that, and they're going to say, oh, well, that's kind of cool. I'm going to start doing that, and, and I bet I bet that's why you know they were so resistant to the Daniel Bryan stuff early on, because early on that was a very hardcore crowd doing the yes stuff, you know, the night after WrestleMania two years ago. Uh, but then it picked up steam for all you know the casuals are doing it now too, and so at that point you can't really deny that anymore. It's it's not just you know 15% of your audience doing the yes stuff, um, and, and so I think WWE has got to figure out like you said, Jason, do they embrace that and say okay this has spread to enough of the casual audience that they're doing it too, or do they try to fight against that almost. And I think Batista is a case study. You know how do they handle Batista? Do they go all out heel? Do they put him in a tweener role where he kind of, you know, if you like me, great. If you don't like me, screw you. Boo! You know, um, and, and all that from like like last night, kind of defiant. But if you're on my, if you're on my side, then let's ride. That was kind of the attitude I got from him. It very much the John Cena. Um, so that leads into Tower's other question. Batista Orton, what, I mean, what, do, you, what do you do with the build-up to this? I mean, we'll probably get a, a pretty good... Um, indication tonight at the SmackDown taping, though they're hyping a big promo from Batista tonight, um, so we might get more of that indication. But I mean, Jason, what do, what do you do with Batista Orton going to Mania? I mean, like like Tyler said, you turn Orton face. I mean, you can't really do that. But I mean, what, what do you? Do? I, I mean, I don't know. What, 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 what else can you do with this at this point? No, I'm with you. I, I have no clue because I just don't think this is the match you go with. You know, it it, it plays into. It's not, you know, that the, the the young rebellious crowd that maybe isn't just, you know, considered what they would label smarks. I just think there's an audience out there, a growing audience that wants today's stars. They want their generation stars. They see Orton, Batista, in some cases Cena, and, and others as kind of the old guard. It doesn't mean they won't be respectful for Undertaker and certain acts that they, you know, they still enjoy. But they're kind of they're just fed up with having some of these acts just shoved down their throats. They see through what was going on with Batista. I think they may not know all the politics or any of that, but they're just rejecting it. it it's a returning star from the past that maybe they didn't grow up on, or in some cases they did, but they're more into what what they're seeing today. I, I think if Batista turns heel, 
they're it's it's a really weird scenario. If if they're just hell bent on going Orton and Batista, it's not, you know they can't go two heels. I, I fear that they're going well shades of gray. It'll be great. No, it won't. Look at last night's Raw. There was a lot of shades of gray there, and matches like Sheamus and Christian, where there's not a definitive heel in there. Christian's heelish, but not a heel. I mean, it was a good match, but the crowd's not into it. Bray Wyatt and 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 uh, Roman Reigns, same thing. They can't go that way. So I, 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 either you do turn Randy Orton, which just seems like a weird, strange move that would come out of nowhere to do a double turn with these guys. At uh, that, that point, if Batista turns, well, I, I have Orton stay heel, and I get Daniel Bryan in that match somehow. I just don't know. Anything else is just going to feel so awkward and bizarre, and, and certainly just a, a cluster when it comes to what you're doing with your WWE World Heavyweight Championship match on the biggest stage at WrestleMania. Yeah, they're they're at the cluster stage, most definitely. I mean that that uh, that show last night captured a lot of the booking problems going into Mania. Uh, Biggie Langston, you know, um, the crowd really only gets into him when he drops the straps for the big ending. Otherwise, right. when he's doing his offense, the crowd's kind of quiet. And well, you know, and like then it. matching him against Cesaro last night was such a mistake. I thought um, that's it. another you know, one. Shades of Grey. You know, Cesaro yeah. is like he's with Zeb, and, he, and Zeb's a heel kind of, but he's a comedy heel. The fans like Cesaro, mm-hmm. but they're not ready to turn him face. They 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 seem to kind of like Big E, but you put them together, it's like who are they supposed to cheer? You know, it, it, there was you know, just look at that card last night that they gave and. There's so many just examples of that where they're putting people together that aren't. There's not really a, a set firm baby or heel with a lot of heat, and so they're just leaving it up to the fans to decide in a weird way. And the fans are just kind of sitting there waiting for something to happen because they don't know what they're supposed to do. And they end up just cheering the cool stuff, you know, like the big swing or you know the yeah. ten forearms for Sheamus or um, you know the New Age Outlaws doing their shtick, and then the Usos. You know, cut it off and they get booed. <laughs> it's like we have problems here. There are major problems going into Mania, and they—I I don't know. I mean, they—they've got to sort it out. So, Tyler, to answer your question, there is no answer right now. Um, they've got to figure out what they're going to do and how to solve a, a pretty glaring problem going into Mania. So we'll see what they do. Um, next up, VIP Hotline seven seven three area code Tony. Uh, welcome to the show, Tony. What's in your mind today? Gentlemen, how are you guys? Pleasure to talk to both of you. Doing good. Good to talk um, to you. Two questions really quick. The first one is I'm, I'm from Chicago, and um, I'll be at Raw on Monday the 3rd. Uh, uh, any, word if, um, any word if uh, like, um, either Hogan, Undertaker, or Brock will be there this, this Monday? Because I've been looking everywhere, but I can't find any confirmation on those guys. Uh, good question. Let's check uh, WWE. Peach. They've got uh, Brock is advertised, or at least he's listed. So um, Brock's, I guess, the main special play. I mean, I don't. I mean, Jason, I don't see uh, Taker being on Raw every week. Maybe, maybe one more in March, and then the, and then the final show before uh, Mania. But um, I, I'm gonna imagine this is gonna be Paul Heyman doing a lot of talking for Brock, trying to antagonize Undertaker before Mania. I mean, I, I don't. I don't think you need to put Taker on, you know, every Raw before Mania. I mean, is that kind of how you see it playing out too? I, I think less is more with a, with a guy like him. Hogan too. You know, just the less you see them, the bigger it seems, and the more you know, the more you see them going into WrestleMania, just the less impact they're going to have. So, yeah, I would say. I mean, I, 
do you know off the top of your head how many weeks we have until Mania? I should know this, and I'm just drawing a blank here. I'm pretty sure it's five. We've got the third. Oh, if you count yesterday, it's six weeks. We've got the third, the 10th, 17th, 24th, 31st. So five, five Mondays in March, and then yesterday. So six weeks of buildup. So, yeah, maybe I could live with every other week at the most for Taker. But, yeah, I mean, I, I like your idea of you know, maybe two more times. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe the let's see, Monday, Monday the seventeenth. They're in Texas, um, so that's a close drive. Um, I'll be at the SmackDown tape on the eighteenth. So maybe the seventeenth for Raw, and then the thirty-first for the Go Home. You know, I, I you know, I, I think that makes some sense. Um, it, it's just yeah, you got to protect Taker, especially he, he. I mean, we haven't talked about this yet, Jason. But he looked old last night. I mean, like not legend old, but like aged, um, and. And I don't know how that's going to affect his performance. I mean, that's, is that just you know on the surface, but on, 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 the, on the inside he's healthy and ready to go? I, I don't know, you know, but he looked aged, very aged last night. Uh, so that was interesting. Uh, the goatee helped. So Tony, I, I, he, go ahead. Sorry, guys, yeah. the, the reason I ask is just because, you know, um, obviously, you know, Punk's been missing. And, you know, just having been, a, you know, a bunch of the cards lately in the past three, four years, you know, that crowd, like, when Money in the Bank came came along, we were cheering for Punk a good 45 minutes before those cameras even went on. And I mean hard. And come in, the main event, we were still going hard. So I, I don't, I mean, I, if they don't do, I mean, they're going to, like, I'm just thinking about what they're going to do about, what we're going to do to Batista, if there's no Punk. I mean, that crowd's going to get really, like, hostile. So that's what I was thinking. I was like, what are they going to throw out there to distract us? And then even I think that you know the, the, the kid from Breaking Bad's got a host, and I like the guy. I, like, I love the character. I love him as an actor. But I, I mean, they better keep him like backstage with vignettes because if he comes out to that ring, I feel bad for him. I mean, they can get really nasty out there. Yeah, I mean, Jason, it could go one of two ways. Either the crowd like pops because he's from Breaking Bad, or. They're like, you're taking up TV time that should be for CM Punk. You know, like, like everybody yeah, who's on that show next Monday might be viewed as like, you're taking away TV time from Punk. Like, he should be, especially Batista. I mean, Batista's going to get roasted next Monday. But Jason, like, you know, like Tony said, the operative word there is distract. Well, I mean, I don't know if they can ignore that anticipated response. So what are they? I mean, what can they even do to distract? With a three-hour show, this isn't just a two-hour Raw or two-hour Smack. This is a three-hour Raw. How do you distract him for three hours? Yeah, that's just it. These shows go on. You 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 can try to give them, you know, you can just load up and try to give them the the hottest show you can, and it's there's still going to be those lulls. There just is. And uh, I, Aaron Paul is phenomenal actor, and so it seems like one of the real nice guys in Hollywood. And I'm excited about it until I remember that. Oh yeah, it's WWE writing whatever he's going to do. This is probably going to be horrible. So I I agree. Keep him backstage and away from the live crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, backstage skits, everybody. You know, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think. Like, you know, obviously, the, the what they're promoting is Need for Speed. You know, that's the movie. But he's known for Breaking Bad, so I'm trying to figure out like which WWE characters would even match up for a, a skit. I mean, I, I can't think of. I mean, anybody who's culturally relevant. You know, at, at a top. You know, at a like not Hulk Hogan nostalgia, but. I mean, it's like CM Punk's like the only one. John Cena's not like, I mean, I guess Daniel Bryan's the closest one. They have to, someone who's pop culture irrelevant today. Um, I mean, I well, guess you could throw in somebody else for a, a comedy bit, like Santino, but gosh, that would be 
My guess is the movie involves. I was going to say, my guess is the movie involves race cars, and John Cena likes race cars. Aaron Paul's considered cool, so that's they'll try to do something with him and Cena, and the crowd will hate it <laughs> because it's John Cena <laughs> in Chicago. Yeah. Um, next Monday is going to be really interesting. You know, really, really interesting. So. We shall see. Uh, Tony, good call. Uh, you said you're going to the show, so be sure to call up next Tuesday and uh, give Wade and Jason your in-person report. So we'll look forward to that uh, next Tuesday's livecast. Uh, let's stay on the VIP hotline. And uh, next up from the 314 area code is Damien. Uh, Damien, how are we doing today? Doing just fine, James. How are y'all doing? Hey, we're doing good. What's, your, what's on your mind today? Uh, well, well, um, it's about the, okay, I'm just going to give you my first impressions about the WWE Network and then some observations I made from Raw last night. First off, sure. I subscribed to the network this morning. Of course, I tried to do it yesterday, but, you know, I had technical issues. That's with everybody else. So I ended up signing up this morning for the free trial. And based on what I've seen, you know, like Ray said in the hotline last night, the interface was very good. It was very smooth. I was able to access a lot of things without any problems. The live stream was great. You know, I tested. I got a, a, a smartphone and a PS3 that I have the network on. So, you know, everything is great there. I really think um, the on-lock, the on-demand content is, of course, the main one of the main problems. Like, I've accessed the pay-per-views earlier today, like, I wasn't able to get much of WCW's pay-per-views. Some of WWE's pay-per-views were kind of hard to bubble. Pretty much the only pay-per-view I didn't really have a problem with so far is ECW Heat Wave 1999. But, but, you know, I'm still trying to chess it out. Seems everything is good with the network, but... You know, it's, it's a brand new thing, so I know it's a work in progress. So, but based on what I've seen, I'm, I'm pretty impressed so far with the network, and uh, that's pretty much it. Now, about Raw, you know, now Hulk Hogan came back last night on Raw, you know, and I've noticed that, you know, a lot of people was happy to see him, but it just seems like, man, how much more impactful, you know, pun intended, since he was a part of TNA for four years, uh, how impactful would it have been if Hulk Hogan, you know, had TNA not shoved Hulk Hogan down our throat the previous four years and having that being fresh into fans' minds, do you think that perhaps Hogan would have had a much more better impact being back in WWE and had a more bigger pop? You know, I, I just want to get y'all thoughts about that, and that's all I have. Thanks, guys. Sure. All right, good call, Damian. Thanks for calling in. Um. It brings that question, Jason, of how much crossover is there from WWE's and TNA's audience. So, like, let's say, but let's just say for argument's sake, there's 10, 10 to fifteen percent that watch WWE and TNA on a regular basis that that watched Hogan enough in TNA to where they might they might still have some of those thoughts of, oh yeah, I remember Hogan. He was on Impact six months ago. Um, I think that's a small audience though, so I don't know how much of carryover there is to his return on on to WWE, but uh, is it more? Well, I'll start to you. What are your thoughts on, on the TNA effect, and is it is it a bigger issue? Let me throw this one: a bigger issue that it's like the fourth or fifth time he's kind of come back, and it's the nostalgia is maybe wearing off a little bit, and and the audience is getting a lot younger, where they might not even recognize Hogan as much as an, an audience five to six or even when he was back seven years ago. I mean, I. 
which take take it wherever you want to go on those two factors of what might be affecting the reaction he's getting right now. Well, I think it's both of those things with the age and you know just and the and the repeated comebacks and I, you know, it means something, but it it's not. I don't think people are really expecting or have this burning desire in most cases to see Hulk Hogan get back in the ring. And so that takes some of the appeal away. You know, kind of like when Rock was coming back to host WrestleMania, it was like, eh, that's cool. We didn't know he was going to he was actually going to get in the ring until after that event. And it was like, well, it's, you know, it's cool to have Rock back, but damn, I wish it was a match. So there might be some out there that, you know, if there are those that have some desire to, to see it, they might kind of have that feeling, and for everybody else, it's just like, well, it's a WrestleMania host. We saw this with with him. It's it's really good for WWE as far as network to have Hogan's involvement in the company. It's good for Hogan to be back on WWE television. It does feel like home. There's money to be made with Hulk Hogan. Maybe not you know huge money, but there's money to be made with Hulk Hogan in WWE. It just wasn't there in TNA. But I, you know, I as far as the crossover with TNA and WWE's audience. I, I really believe that if, you know, just to make it simple, if one million people tune in for Impact, I'll bet you it's close to one million people. Are all the, the, That same one million people are watching Raw. I just, I, I really do. I don't, uh, I, I just, TNA, I'm sure they have some exclusive fans, but I think for the most part, so much of TNA's audience is just that passionate wrestling fan that can't get enough and, and are willing to watch TNA, or you know, if there was, if it was a Jarrett group, they might watch that if, if they knew it, it existed. So I, I do think there's some crossover, but it, you know, even with those fans that maybe they saw Hogan in TNA for the last few years, I think they're still happy to see him back home. It just doesn't pack this huge punch like it did before when you could see this matchup or this matchup. It just doesn't mean as much to them without that because he's just a host. Yeah, exactly. I think the Rock comparison is right on. And then WrestleMania 27, when Rock came back, it was, oh, wow, he's back. And then he's guest hosting in the main event scene in Miz. And you're like, eh, oh, well, I'd rather have the Rock wrestle. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, so, yeah, it is, even though I think people recognize Hogan can't wrestle, uh, I still think there's that sense of, like, well, I'd rather him do something physical, not just guest host, um, to make it seem like it's actually worth my wow to pay attention, in, in a way, you know, because what, what does a guest, what does a guest host even do at Mania? You know, they just come out there and hey, welcome to the show. You know, they might do a backstage skit, but it's not, it's not much. So, I don't know. I, I, I like to see it more. Um, but as, you, as we talked about earlier, Jason, I mean, how often do you want to have Hogan on TV? You know, probably, you know, not, not, not that regularly because you want him. You want to. Well, we have to change the verbiage on this, I was going to say, because they want you to pay money to watch WrestleMania, order WrestleMania. Now it's on the network, so they just want you to tune in, I guess, for Mania, if you plop down your nine ninety nine. All of our verbiage, Jason, got to change now. So, right, I know it's going to be tough. <laughs> uh, let's see, uh, good call, and, and a good topic there. Let's go to our next phone call on the VIP hotline. 479 Erie Code, you're up next. I believe this is Corey. Corey, how are you doing today? Fine, how are you doing? Doing great. What's in your mind? Um, yeah, I got, just got a couple things about the WWE Network, the uh, Raw um, sure. post and pregame shows. Um, how much do you think their opinions, the panels, is scripted? And how much do you think they know the outcomes as far as what's going to happen on the show? Um, and I was wondering if you guys knew... Uh, why they're not showing any of the nitros on the network, and that's all I have. Thanks. Sure. 
Jason, have they said why Nitro is not available? Or, or I'm, I'm assuming that's going to be rolled out. But have they said anything specifically about Nitro? No, but keep in mind, they really didn't tell us that we were going to get Raw or ECW TV. There was a lot of confusion about that, where people thought everything was going to be available right out of the gate. And I was actually surprised when I saw there were as many Raw episodes as there were. It's not everything, but there's select years you can go to, including the first year, which I really appreciate. So it, it's, if it, it, I guess I haven't even looked for Nitro, so I, I'm assuming he's, he's correct in, in saying that. Just... Give it time. You know, I do think slowly but surely they're going to start to add a lot. Um, it, it would be nice to have the, the early nitros on there as well. If, if they're not right now, um, maybe you wait next time. You know, the next time your your deal's coming up six months from now, maybe they add that as a perk to keep you happy. Yeah, that's yeah. I think the let's see, what six months from now, March to or we're in February still. Um, feels like already March. Uh, yeah, so that's what six, you know, that's like around summer slamish, Septemberish. Um, yeah. So yeah, I would imagine by then they'll have rolled out more content where they can hype it and say, "Oh, look what we've added last six months, and we've added Nitro and all the ECW shows and all the da 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 da, all these DVDs, you know, the DVDs I'm sure they'll put on the network too." Um, so yeah, I'll, yeah, I think you know, like you said, that that'll slowly all just kind of roll out over time. Um, the, the the pre and post scripting of the of the host, uh, you know, this week it was Flair and Booker T and, and Alex Riley with Josh Matthews. Um, I mean, they're given a lot of guidance of what to, you know, the bullet points, the talking points, the, um, if you're going to predict a match, don't predict something that's, you know, don't, don't make it obvious you know what's going to happen, but um, there's sort of all those, you know, the redirections and all that, but, uh, I mean, Jason, I don't, I, don't they're, I don't think they're given, like, this is what's, who's going to win match A, B, and C, I think they're just sort of given guidance of what they want to, what they want to tell the audience and how to kind of, plant some seeds of either distraction or reinforcement. I, I think it's – they're getting a lot to work with, but, you know, put it in your own words. Uh, is that kind of how you evaluate that too? I do, yeah. I mean, I, th- I kind of think it's kind of a, a simplistic model of the ESPN approach. You take this side of the argument, he's going to take that side of the argument. It'll make for better TV. So in their case, it's you predict this outcome, he'll predict that outcome, and you can go back and forth. I, I'd be surprised – if, like, for instance, Ric Flair was told, here's the finish, you know, of, of uh, tonight's main event or anything like that, I, I don't think they work that way. I mean, there might be some special circumstances where it makes sense to do that, but on, on a, you know, weekly basis to, to sit down all the co-hosts of the pre-show and say, here's what we're going to do, I, I, I don't even think it's necessary, unless you just want them basically to avoid making that prediction. You know, if there's something like you're doing a surprise, well, you know, if, let's say underdog Daniel Bryan's going to beat uh, Brock Lesnar. Okay, then everyone predicts Brock Lesnar. And, you know, the guys doing the, on the panel are going to know at that point, okay, so Brian must be going over, but it doesn't mean that they're sitting there telling him, okay, Brock's going to lose tonight, so you've got to make sure you pick him. I think it's just kind of read-between-the-line stuff. Yeah. And by the way, Jason, are you telling me that Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless is predetermined? Come on. Uh, oh, come on. No, I would never say such a thing. I, I can't even watch it. I really can't. I mean, I, well, and so much of the political talk shows, too. It's 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 sure. pro wrestling. You know, it's, you take this side, I'll take this side, and they'll just bicker it out, and people just eat it right up. And it's like it's very it, – it's it's a version of pro wrestling. Controversy creates – yeah, yeah, well, they don't have shades of gray like WWE does. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The shades of gray is the uh, the random person they bring in via satellite to kind of throw in a thought or two, and then they both attack him. <laughs> so there's that. Right. Uh, 
The Shades of Grey guy gets attacked at all times, yeah, from both sides. Um, or gets the least. Well, let's go to our next time. VIP caller. Uh, this is uh, Brian of the 952 area code. Uh, Brian, welcome to the show, and uh, let us know what's on your mind. Uh, how are you guys doing today? Um, two things. Uh, the first sure. thing was I, I'm somewhat disappointed it took you so long to mention the raw guest host that was going to be for next week. I think that's really going to up the game. And then uh, secondly... You, it was kind of – no one mentioned it, and it always surprised me on, from every website that WWE kept implying that you would get encores of Raw and SmackDown, and they were never very specific about any of it. And you know when WWE doesn't give you specifics that you're about to get a, you know, an exam, if you will, and things aren't going to be good for you, if you will. So mm. I was just curious about other things you guys had noticed. I've only had a little bit of chance on the network, but other – changes like Hulk Hogan's music being changed from Voodoo Child to Real American and all these things that weren't mentioned. Like Wade Keller said originally, a lot of people believed you get the entire library and it's only portions. And he's saying now it might be only for a limited time. So what else have you guys heard in terms of limitations and not meeting expectations from some fans' perspective? Thanks, guys. Sure, sure. Yeah, Jason, I'm sure you've heard a lot of that from your readers. We've heard, definitely heard that. Like Brian's talking about, through the you know, they hype all, like, I mean, they make it, they don't come out and say it, but they make it seem like you're going to get every single thing in our library, you know, uh, at the network rollout. Obviously, that's not the case. So, I think there is a little bit of having to manage expectations. It doesn't help either when Jerry Lawler's, uh, <laughs> at some yeah. point, Cole and JBL, too, are kind of botching the information delivery on Raw. But uh, what's your take on that aspect? You know, I think there's a lot of people that are not, and I'm not saying the caller's doing this, but I, I just get the sense from a lot of emails that people are like in search of things that aren't there because they want to complain. Um, it there's a lot there. The, the music thing is annoying, but I, I'm guessing it's just uh, you know licensing issues and things. Watching, I mean, I, I can't even say for sure. It's been so long since I've actually watched a, a, a real copy of you know the original WrestleMania. But there was no Cindy Lauper song on there. There was, I, I'm guessing Junkyard Dog probably came out to another one bites the dust on the real one. I could be off on that, but it, you know, it seemed like he came out to different music. So you're gonna get some of that. Yeah, it's you know when they it is too bad when they say unedited. You'd like to have truly unedited, but you know, just licensing wise, I'm guessing it's it's just what the reality is right now. And and. Uh, We'll have to settle for some music that seems awkward and makes the talent look awkward as they're dancing to the beat of another song that's not playing. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a great way to describe it, dancing to the beat of the wrong song. Um, or or mouthing the words to the wrong song, um, and, and, you know, based on how it's presented on the, on the, on the, up, on the edit. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be fascinating to kind of look back through all this. And be like, I don't remember it that way. You know, and then pull out your DVD and compare it, um, and and look at that. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of that. I mean, there was that lawsuit. Uh, WWE got hit with that lawsuit from uh, I can't remember the first name, but Papa. Um, I think he he claimed a licensing for a lot of the uh, the music. So there's that lawsuit that's going on that's going to affect a lot of the tape library aspect. And, and that's you know I haven't heard whether that's been resolved or not. So I'd imagine that's still going on, um, which will be an issue. So. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of little things that are going to be different, and it's just, um, you know, I mean, if some of it's like, you know, not serious, but okay, that's distracting. Some of it's humorous, um, and Wade tweeted about this. I also saw this last night. I was watching, uh, I think they have an, an episode of ECW Hardcore TV on from, like, 93, and, like, the, during the middle of a match, it flashed the hotline, called the ECW hotline, 
And and W like dubbed a graphic over that says this line is not active, <laughs> as if a hotline from '93 would be active. But it was just it was just hilarious. Um, just, just in case you know you would, would decide to try to call this number. Yeah. So that was oh, you funny. know, there's people who uh, would. Oh yeah. Hey, let me see if it's still active. Yeah, let me check it out. Yeah. Um. Uh, let's wrap up with a couple more phone calls, and then we're going to do a VIP after show for Torch VIP members. Uh, next phone call uh, is Joel at uh, the 952 area code. Uh, Joel, welcome to the show, and uh, let us know what's on your mind. Hey, guys. Uh, hey, Jason. Do you remember me? I was a kid in the CM Punk shirt at the K-Fan booth. Oh, I do. Yeah, good to hear from you. Yeah, it was a pleasure meeting you there, uh, talking you a little bit well. about wrestling. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to say that it was great meeting you there. And uh, the one kid who did not get to meet Curtis Axel, we made sure that he uh, went home happy with the DVD. So he was all oh, great. Very cool. Yeah. And I just wanted to ask you, um, do you still have the same opinion? Uh, do you think that Minneapolis got screwed by Green Bay again and they got the better show? Or do you think uh, Elimination Chamber was a good show? You know, I guess it depends what you're looking for. If you're looking for all-out star power, then it was last night. If you're looking for... Really good wrestling with uh, what's likely going to end up, well, I, I think certainly is going to end up as a match of the year candidate in the uh, the six-man tag. Then Minneapolis got a pretty got a really good show. If nothing else, I, I thought Minneapolis had the better atmosphere, the Green Bay crowd. I can't even, you know, I'm not going to pick on them, but it's just, it, it's kind of the formula of Raw. You know, the, the pay-per-view had a lot of undercard matches that seemed throwaway, but we don't have the commercial break, so we have to sit that, that they have to sit through it raw, and, and it, that adds to the fatigue as well. And so we we certainly had the better atmosphere based on what I saw on television last night. But um, yeah, you know what? I'll even back up and say I, I think I, I'm happy that I was at the chamber rather than last night's show. It just wasn't as, as smoking hot as I thought it was going to be. I'd agree with that. I thought it was a much better show than Monday night, you know, because it's a pay per view. We get the better events. But uh, I was also going to ask you to talk about your experience at Mick Foley's comedy show, because I know I was at the same show as you, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on that and see if some other, you know, wrestlers are going to become, you know, kind of go on the road, do tours after wrestling, and talk about their stories, you know, how Mick Foley mostly just kind of does stories instead of comedy jokes and stuff. So I just want to get your thoughts on that. I thought Mick did a really good job. I, I've, I've got some poor hearing, and unfortunately the area I was in, the speaker above us either wasn't turned up or wasn't working, so I struggled to hear a little bit with some of the background noise. But everything I heard, I mean, he the one thing that stood out to me is he's very poised. He's really comfortable up there. And, you know, who knows mm-hmm. when that developed for him. But he's just up there. He's always got a smile on his face. He's having a good time. He's trying to make sure that, you know, he knows it's like mostly a wrestling audience, but he also tries to cater to the non-wrestling fans who maybe get dragged to the show or something like that. Uh, it's fun. I definitely recommend it to anybody out there. Foley's coming to your town. I, I'd, I'd be surprised if you didn't have a really good time. Um, as far as like others doing it, you know, Jim Ross is stepping into that starting, I think, this weekend even in New York, and he'll be in, at WrestleMania as well. It's, you know, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of guys who try. It really depends on the promotion of these things. Hulk Hogan did Hulk Hogan and Friends, and, you know, I think, and, and then he did one with Eric Bischoff, and, Sometimes it's just the promotion isn't there, and even though it's a guy that you would think there's going to be an audience for this, eh, there's not. So it has to be the right guy, and he has to have the right personality. And I think right now that that right guy is Mick Foley for sure, and, and we'll see on JR. I, I, you know, I, I wish that one was in Minnesota too because I'd love to go see it. 
Yeah, I thought it was a great show. Well, thanks, guys. I look forward to, forward to seeing you again at some event, Jason. Sounds great. It was really nice to meet you. Yep, thanks, guys. All right. Yeah, good call, Joel. Thanks for calling in. And uh, I'm glad you brought that up for, for Jason to talk about McFoley. That's something that I'm going to have to check out um, at some point when I get to see Foley uh, do his comedy. I'm very intrigued to see how he does. And, and like you said, Jason, how does he compare to other guys who have tried it? You know, like I said, the Hogan and Jim Ross starting up, too. So, um, yeah, he seems to have that down. And I think he's invested in it to where he actually cares about it. Um, and you can kind of see that in his work as you kind of touched on it. Yeah. Well, you um, guys, I, I don't, I don't know if he'd to, want this out. Uh, oh, I'll, I'll give you a, just a really quick one. I don't know we're going to wrap up. But he, um, for instance, he cares so much about it that uh, our, our mutual friend Brian Fritz of BetweenTheRopes.com was there. He checked with Brian because Brian's seen two previous shows. He actually went out of his way to check with Brian to see, hey, what did I open and close with last time? Because he's got kind of, he can mix it up a little bit. And he wanted to make sure Brian saw a little bit different show. So, I mean, he's really into it. It's not just the same show he's doing every night. He's answering, you know, different fan questions and things like that. So he's got multiple versions of his act down to try to keep things fresh. And I believe he's going to really shake things up, probably starting with WrestleMania even. Well, that's good. That's good. I mean, that, yeah, that's a good story, you know, to add to, you know, this is a this is a career for Foley, not just, you know, somebody's doing in between WWE's, you know, runs as a Saturday morning slam GM. You know, it's, um, he's really invested in this as a career. Um, let me go to uh, another VIP call, Sarge out of the 601 area code. I believe this is the Sarge. Uh, what, what's on your mind today, Sarge? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be perfect today. Yeah, we, we can hear you good. Go ahead. Okay, this is what I want y'all to check into. Uh, it's stuff going on around that next year's WrestleMania, Vince has done a soprano chokehold to tell the city that they can't let anybody else hold any other wrestling events like uh, Ring of Honor's going to be in West Lingo on the outside and the WrestleCon and stuff. They don't want that around me. Is that the truth yet? Because I know I'm going to try to make it for WrestleMania in case I can't make the actual card itself. I'm going to do the, the WrestleCon and that kind of stuff. I was going to know, have y'all heard anything about them doing next year's WrestleMania like that? Sure. Um, I asked WWE about that, um, and they sent me back a statement. I'll read the statement. This was back in January. They said, uh, this was about 25 days ago, uh, WWE is currently in the planning stages for WrestleMania 31. We're, ex- we're exploring all of our options for venues in the local area as we work to confirm the details for WrestleMania week. Well, that was their official statement. Yeah, Jason, there has been some of that, you know, if they're trying to shut out, you know, the usual uh, companies that run WrestleMania weekend. Have you heard anything about this story um, since, you know, it kind of broke in January-ish? Really? Yeah, I mean, really what everyone else has. I don't know if the statement they gave you is an indicator that, well, maybe once they get everything locked down, what they need, then that lift will come, you know, they'll lift it, and whatever's available, people can scramble to get, or if that's just kind of, buying a little time because they don't want to say, yeah, we're kind of being the bad guys here. I mean, I, I I say they're the bad guys, but, hey, when you're the biggest game in town, maybe you don't want everyone kind of glomming off your signature event. They may look at it like that's money that could be coming into our pocket. But I think I hope they also stop and think that, you know, this is maybe you take away a little bit of the luster of WrestleMania weekend. If people that travel in that, you know, it's not just WrestleMania in the Hall of Fame for them, they enjoy going to all these other events. And if, if those events, they make it, you know, they'll obviously find an area as close as they can to run. I don't think they're going away, but maybe it's just 
becomes a little bit of a hassle. And so the fan that couldn't wait to go to WrestleMania weekend and see all these different uh, wrestling events before maybe just isn't as likely to go. I I, I hope it's uh, I I think selfish. You know, it's it, not selfishly, but just I, I guess ideally WWE will realize that you know it, it's it's not taking that much money away from us. And really, I think that weekend is really providing a pretty big economic boom to some of the smaller promotions, and they could really use that. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough spot, James, because, I mean, can you really can you blame them? It, it's, I know it, the, the, the fan reaction is going to be, well, yeah, that's just wrong. How could they do that to fill in the promotion? But if you have that kind of stroke and you, you're looking at it going, well, that's money we could be making, I, I can see where they're coming from on this. It, to me, part of it, too, is how much of uh, the audience is coming to WrestleMania weekend for the entire experience. You know, They don't want to just go to Mania and the Hall of Fame. They want to see some other wrestling, and that's the place to see the most wrestling for one weekend the whole year. If you take all I – mean, not take it away, but if you block it out, like let's say let, – let's just say Ring of Honor, Dragon USA, WrestleCon, it's all gone. The only thing in, right. uh, in San Francisco, Barry, is you know WrestleMania and the Hall of Fame and Access. Is that – you know, I wonder how much would uh, how much how would that cut into the number of people coming to Mania weekend, right? You know, the international contingent. That, that's what I don't. That's the unknown to this. You know, is it, would they be damaging their own business by taking away the aspect that some people like as a nice supplement or complement to the WrestleMania stuff too? Absolutely, Ab- totally on the same page. I, I, if they do, I would hope that they kind of expand their horizons. You know, that they. It's not just to lock everybody out. It's also we feel like we can do more. We we can have different events going at different times. And maybe if one appeals to family, maybe one appeals to the hardcore fan. We saw them kind of tinker around with the whole Q and A session that they did Royal Rumble weekend. I think it was in Phoenix one year. Maybe they maybe they do a little bit more of that. So hopefully, I mean, I, it, it's not going to replace it. Uh, all the indie groups that a lot of people really enjoy going to see, but hopefully, it's not just yeah. what they have now is all they have planned. And there's going to be a lot of sitting around for people during WrestleMania weekend if they don't feel like driving however many miles to go check out another indie show. It's more exactly. of an inconvenience yeah. for the fans. You know, it, it's an inconvenience for the, for the fans that want to do this. And you know, it, I, I know people that kind of walk to everything or take a quick cab ride to something and they don't want to get a rental car and now you might be kind of forcing them into adding that to their budget and like you say having to make that decision well i don't know if i'm going to go this year if i got to add that expense too yeah i mean you end up driving to you know central california to fresno for a dragon gate show i mean that's you know that's that's not going to fly. You know, I've driven up and down California a lot, and, and I mean, obviously we're just isolating WrestleMania 31, but, uh, yeah, I mean, if you start stretching people beyond the Bay Area and Silicon Valley and, and you know, forcing them all, all, you know, almost to Oregon or, you know, down to Fresno, um, yeah, I mean, that that's, people are going to be like, you know what, um, eh, you know, I'll, I'll order the internet, I'll, inter- I'll order the iPay-per-view for the show I really want to watch, and yeah. I'll order WrestleMania, or... Or I'll watch the WrestleMania on the network for nine ninety nine, and I won't spend you know a thousand dollars go watch it in person. So and I'll see the Hall of Fame, and I'll probably see a lot of live programming that weekend from the different access events. I mean, they may kind of with yeah. the network, they they need to be careful. That might be something where they do start to give people the perception that boy, I can kind of see almost everything at home now. Do I really need to be down there? Especially if I they're going to make it tough for me to go to those indie shows. 
And especially at WrestleMania is very corporate, like it was last year, you know, this past year. Right. With, you know, just going like, gosh, like, this is WrestleMania? And then, you know, you, you, you basically show up for the Raw after Mania. You know, like, that's the destination. And is that worth it? So, the, the very interesting times for WWE. They're kind of a cross-section. Uh, mania and network and all this and how does it all work out and business. And so, we'll see how it plays out. We're going to wrap up the, uh, the live portion of the live cast now. Um, Charge, thanks for your, your call to uh, close us out. Uh, I know we, we didn't get to everybody. Tune in tomorrow. Live cast at 5.30 Eastern with Pat McNeil. He's got an all-star panel. Um, he'll definitely take your phone calls. There's no shortage of things to talk about this week in wrestling. So tune in tomorrow, 5.30, 5:30 Eastern. VIP members, stick around for the after show with me, Torch Assistant Editor James Caldwell, and Jason Powell of ProWrestling.net. We'll talk to you guys on the other side. All right, we're now in the uh, VIP after show portion of the show today here on the live cast. Uh, we've got a couple good email questions that came in, a lot of good calls today. Uh, very much the network uh, customer service <laughs> discussion plus uh, Raw and, uh, man, a lot of stuff going on before Mania. So um, that's all stuff, you know, and you and Wade will be breaking down a lot the next uh, couple weeks going to Mania. So uh, we'll touch on some general topics. So we've got a good email from, uh, from Julius out of Indianapolis, a VIP member. Uh, but he's got three questions about uh, sort of the, the face and the heel thing. Uh, Jason, we've kind of touched on that a little bit during the live cast. Um, his first question, what's the logic behind a heel act having a face routine, like the New Age Outlaws? Uh, this week we had the Usos getting booed because they interrupted the Outlaws' you know, introduction. How can a face get over when the heel is trying to get cheers and, and crowd participation? Uh, Jason, what, what are your thoughts on that first question? Uh, I, I I don't have a good answer that uh, because I don't agree with the Shades of Grey philosophy that they're they seem to be employing here. I mean, I'm hoping it's just kind of all. It's not so much that as much as it is just they're in a transitional period with a lot of characters simultaneously. But I mean, the signs mm-hmm. certainly point to it being they they think Shades of Grey. I, I, I guess the mentality is what was Russo's line always like? There's there's not black and white with people. There's shades of gray. That kind of thing. But yeah. wrestling, you know the wrestling industry, James. It was built on babyface versus heel. That's what draws money. It's not the shades of gray. And maybe you can have that occasional exception, but to to take and take that approach across the board, I, I think it's foolish. I think it's one of the things that really separates pro wrestling from UFC, for instance. You know, UFC has its advantages, obviously, but and and they kind of adopt some pro wrestling mentality in the way they hype their fights. I mean, Ronda Rousey out there outright saying at her previous fight that she's a heel <laughs> and, and <laughs> using wrestling terminology it it works you know baby face versus heel works and i think you're just overthinking things when you start to go with these shades of gray and, and i think you get reactions like you do on these three-hour raws where people don't know what to, who to cheer for and 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 the outlaws are a great example of that it, we're out, we're going to give you the big baby face and you know entrance routine and then we want you to boo us what? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, I mean, it, it's wrestling has the ability to control the, the genre. I mean, well, okay, wrestling is a genre, but they have the ability to control the storytelling. You know, they can, they, they don't have to hope that somebody wins or hope that somebody loses because it would make it for a better matchup, you know, the UFC analogy. Uh, they, they, and and it's, a, it's a fictional environment, so you can tell your story with the good and the bad. And, yeah, I mean, Russo's philosophy was, oh, nobody wants that. Well, wrestling is its own separate entity where it doesn't have to be mirroring real life. I mean, does anyone believe that 
Uh, you know, Hulk Hogan could beat everybody for six straight years, or John Cena could be on top for eight straight years without, you know, without losing, you know, uh, losing a spot. You know, I mean, NBA stars, they, you know, you think LeBron James is going to be around forever, but eventually he's going to fade out. You know, that's reality. But in wrestling, it's you control the reality and you tell your story that way. And and, and I, yeah, I think that the Shades of Grey is a, is a really bad philosophy because um, you're trying to be so like real life that, well. It's you know it's like when you shoot somebody off the ropes you never do that in a fight so it instantly kills that um, so you you've got to play within the genre and the genre is good and evil and I feel like right now I mean Biggie Langston Cesaro Reigns Swagger um, Sheamus Christian Outlaws Usos they're all straddling this line of what am I supposed to react how am I supposed to feel about these guys. And last night's, like you said, was like the cross-section of all these acts in transition in one one little setting, um, which made for a very interesting show last night. Um, Cesaro being a guy in, in transition, that's also someone Julius brought up. What, what do you do? How do you, what do you do with Cesaro if you want to turn him face? Do you? And this is part of this question. I'll kind of throw my own spin on it. What do you do with Cesaro to turn him face? Do you have Zeb dump him? Do you have Cesaro choose to break free and be his own man? Um, to where the crowd can fully embrace the big swing and the act. Um, or, I mean, what do, what do you do with Cesaro if you want him to be a, a, a bona fide, one hundred percent face? Um, I mean, it's tough because it's. I think people will be forgiving because it has become just you know comedy heat. Not even heat, just it's comedy heel act with Zeb out there telling more one-liners and holding funny signs than it is like. It'd be a little tougher, I think, if if Zeb was just heat magnet. And was saying all these outlandish things, and Cesaro was going along with them, uh, like you know, truly hateful things. What he says now is outlandish, but in a, in a comedic way. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could do. There's an, there's there's ways you can do it. You know, maybe Zeb does go not within. You know, he goes too far. Not like uh, where they need to like censor or anything, but just like for Cesaro's taste, where he gets that ooh out of the crowd, and Cesaro kind of shoots him a look, and maybe. You know, backstage, they, they, I, I'm certainly not endorsing the hidden camera trick, and I, and I know they're trying to keep things in the ring, and that's great. But maybe backstage they do, oh, you know, you catch Cesaro kind of telling him, he's not cool with this. This isn't what he signed on for. He kind of put up with uh, the, the quirky politics because he thought he and Swagger could be a great tag team. Or it's as simple as, you know, Zeb does decide that uh, you're not a real American. I'm, I'm siding with Jack Swagger because he is one. Because, I, you know, I think they could stay together and be a great tag team. And if you just whittled away the, the, the Zeb silliness, maybe you have them still there. Maybe he changes his ways and, and he takes a more serious approach. Or maybe it's just Zeb moves on to something else. Somehow, some way, they just stay together. Because I, I think people are going to be most likely disappointed this year by Cesaro's push. It looks to me like he's going to feud with Swagger. I'd love to think that, yeah, he's you know he's going to climb that mountain and, and he's going to be near the top and having all these great things happen. And if that happens, great. But if they don't have that in mind, I think you're better off just building them up, stripping away the real American silliness and making them just really just a kick-ass tag team. Yeah, like dominating the tag division and, and have, have the Usos actually have somebody to chase that's, you know, within the age range, you know, not, not to go to the old age outlaws line, but... Uh, I, I feel like the Outlaws are just uh, a nostalgia act that's, for some reason, still on the TV show and with the tag belts. And I think that's hurt the tag division a lot because the Outlaws act is either very babyface-ish with the whole ritual and the you know, the intro, or they're, they're so 
Um, like, like the, the, the style of WWE te- of wrestling in WWE has advanced to more athletic, high-flying, fast-paced, longer matches. The Outlaws aren't capable of doing that. At least they haven't proved that yet. You know, they're doing a lot of stalling and a lot of sort of, you know, road dogs kind of doing a little bit of comedy um, with the stalling. And it just it doesn't fit. It's very um, out of place um, for where wrestling is right now in WWE, which is interesting to say and look at now. Uh, but, it, but it's advanced. And I don't think the Outlaws fit. So, yeah, I, I like the idea of the of it, somehow or another the, the uh, Real Americans get the belts and the Usos chase. I think they could have some good matchups. And, 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 and Cody and, and Goldust. You know, we, we've seen exactly. Cody and Goldust have really good matches with the Real Americans that, quite frankly, weren't taken all that seriously because it's they were the Real Americans. It, it just was the, the the act was. I mean, they'd they'd have these good matches where they looked like they were threats to the champions, like to, you know, a night after losing to Los Matadores in a comedy act. Exactly. Yeah, and now Road Scholars, Road Scholars. We're going back in time. Uh, now Cody and Goldust are on, on superstars and eight-man tags. You know, it's sort of uh, disappointing to see where they've gone um, as a tag team. So, and, and you know, outlaws to blame. Uh, and then uh, you mentioned, or we kind of talked, touched on the Roman Reigns for a second there. Uh, the, the Shield. I mean, what, what do you do with the Shield right now, Jason? Going into into WrestleMania. I mean, do you have Reigns split off and, and and do the face turn and he faces Dean Ambrose one on one or? Um, well, what do you think they should do with the Shield um, going into Mania? I, you know, to be honest, I'd love to see them stay together because I still think there's so many unanswered questions about Roman Reigns. And they're, you know, hey, they know they see the guy night in, night out. They, I mean, for instance, Jay, James, they know what he looks like with his shirt off. I mean, think about that. We don't <laughs> cos, it, cosmetically, it sounds silly, but yeah, maybe he wears the same outfit, but probably not. We don't. I mean, the the, the shirt comes off, and cosmetically, people might just reject him if it doesn't look right to them um there you see the match with with Bray Wyatt last night the the crowd reacts to his big offense but it's he's not polished he does these crazy superman punches and now he's like adding all these jumps to his act and it just tells mm-hmm. me it's still a work in progress the shield isn't broken so i wouldn't mess with it i, I really would the more i see this play out yeah, there's, he's got a bright future, but it's there's no reason they can't stay together for another year and you know let him slowly establish himself that way. If they're hell bent on splitting them up, I, I you know I haven't really thought about the booking of it, but I, I guess if they're just gonna do it, then go with a triple threat for the for the, you know all three Shield members. If nothing else, for the attraction of it, the, the Shield crumbles and they're all gonna go uh, compete in this triple threat for the U.S. title. Yeah, I mean that, that's interesting because it's, you know it's, if they do stay together, what do you do with them in Mania? You know, do you have them go after somebody, uh, somebody else, or, or you know go after a group of baby states like last year with Big Show and with Sheamus and somebody else? Um, so I, I, I'm curious. Yeah, maybe maybe the three way for the U.S. title. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that possibility. So that's interesting. Um, got an, I got another uh, email question. This one's from uh, from a .NET member. .NET member Mark. Um, he says uh, he's got a question. Um, he said Jason's commented before that he's hopeful that when Triple H takes over from Vincent Mann, um, he was curious if Wade, I'll play the role of Wade, feels the same way, uh, that maybe the booking would change when Triple H takes over from Vince. Um, and the example being NXT, which just seems to be more coherent, um, and maybe Vince is kind of losing it as he's aged, which there might be some signs of. 
Uh, but Jason, talk about. Well, I'll go to you, and then I'll, I'll kind of throw my thoughts on this too. What do you, for for our VIP members? What are your thoughts on when and if? Which is pretty much assumption. When Triple H takes over, whenever that time is, how do you see things changing? Will things be more coherent? Will it be different in the sense that certain guys with a certain look are pushed more than today? Uh, what, what's sort of your, your sense of what WWE looks like if Hunter's in charge over Vince? It's the billion-dollar question, you know. But I do, I mean, just watching NXT is, and, and, and the way, not just the show, but the way he's handled developmental. I, I'm optimistic. I, there's a, a lot of layers here. I mean, you got to assume that Vince has, he's always had his favorites, his inner circle, people he surrounded himself with. I mean, there's there's been rumblings for years that, boy, you know, when Triple H and Steph take over, don't be surprised if so-and-so is not here anymore because they're not exactly mm. as fond of him as Vince is. And, for instance, Bruce Pritchard was a guy that uh, people pointed to as, like, Stephanie couldn't wait to get rid of him, Didn't wasn't mm. nearly as fond of Bruce as, as, as her father was, and he's gone. So you, there's, there's probably going to be some of that, uh, just the people he surrounds himself with, and that he respects. There's a guy that's writing NXT named Ryan Ward. He's uh, heavily, you know, very. He's really the guy that I, I think, by most accounts, deserves the bulk of the credit. But Triple H is the guy that lets him. I mean, he has all the input he wants. Triple H does, but you know, he has this guy writing the show and, and by all accounts, doing a really good job. Does does a guy like Ryan Ward is he being groomed for when that time comes? Transitionally, does he take on? An even bigger role. Not that he's not involved with Raw and SmackDown now, but does he take on a bigger role, knowing what Hunter's vision is, and and, no, and are they working together? I, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's going to be negatives to go along with the positives. But when I, you know, getting back to the to performance and, and developmental and the way he's run it, I think so many people assumed it was going to be, oh, it's Triple H, it's going to be a bunch of bodybuilders. And and I just <laughs> took a call from somebody the other, I think last night or everything's kind of running together now about. You know, it being true that Triple H, you know, doesn't want independent wrestlers. Well, what do you mean? I mean, that's look at developmental, and and yeah, they want to definitely bring in athletes from other sports, but look at the guys that are going to be headlining this uh, the show coming up. Cesaro was a Ring of Honor guy, uh, you know, and, and you know, just go down the list. There's Pac, uh, who's working as Adrian Neville now, mm-hmm. was a was, you know worked in some American Indies, but was an overseas guy. Uh, Cesaro. I mean, it's just there's a lot of in, in what you would can label independent talent, and it's all shapes and sizes. Kevin Steen, Michael Elgin, two guys that are uh, on the verge. I think it's actually scheduled for them to be getting tryouts now. They're not exactly what you would think of if you were, you know, it, it, Triple H is the, the kind of oh, just the, the stereotypical guy that everyone kind of assumed the body type that Hunter was going to look for. He's, right. looking for, he's looking for all shapes and sizes, and so I think that's one of the real pros to this. When when his time comes, is that he's open, he's a little more open minded to different body types, and 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 I think you're certainly going to see a different creative style. I, I think so too, and I, I think that the main thing I'm looking for is whether the show will be more co- more coherent. I, I think right now McMahon's plate is so full with the network and you know running, you know being the CEO and the chairman and all that. That I think that. He, I mean, there's no way. I mean, there's no way possible for him to keep track of all these storylines and um, you know characters and uh, what did we do last week and all that. You know, especially launching the network yesterday. Uh, I'm sure he didn't couldn't remember what happened last Monday on Raw, much less the Chamber. La- you know, the previous night on Sunday. I can relate. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, if, and and that's his business, and we cover it. And if we if we have trouble keeping track of all this stuff, I mean, imagine him. 
and and being the miles that's on on him mentally, you know, being in charge of creative for so long. So, I, I I'm I'm looking forward to a day when maybe it's more coherent and things. There is more of a natural build to conclusions and programs that are actually you know that actually conclude. You know, they don't just disappear. Um, so that's what I'm anticipating. I don't know if that's going to be the case, but I imagine it will be. And, and, you know, all the other things are kind of the variables of, you know, what kind of wrestlers. And like you mentioned, some guys that are very, very much not a Triple H body type, Kevin Steen being prime example. Uh, but, yeah, they might be getting a shot. So it, it's all very much, like you said, a million-dollar question. So we'll see about that. And how, um, real quick, how does he, you know, how does he hold up? Vince lives this, you know, eats, bleeds, mm. sleeps, wrestling. Hunter's a guy with kids, and you know he's he's very passionate about this. But who's, I've already had people question. Heck, you know, it was probably about a year ago. I had somebody ask, you know, kind of say, I don't know how Hunter's going to hold up here long term with this. You know, mm. it's, it's it's quite the grind, and it wasn't like the signs were showing. It was just kind of knowing his personality. Yeah, he's wired for this, but is he going to be the guy that wants to you know live on three hours of sleep for the rest of his life, as Vince McMahon claims he does, and. I, you know, it, it, those are just questions we don't know the answers to. Mm. Great point. Great point. Um, we'll, we'll save some TA discussion for for next week, uh, Jason. When you're on with Wade um, for the uh, the final Tuesday before lockdown, so we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll earmark TNA for next week's after show. Uh, I wanted to close with a uh, sort of a, a humorous a humorous question from VIP member uh, Ideen out of uh, Maryland. He says, uh, hey, guys, has Batista heat surpassed X-Pac heat? That's the new measuring stick for genuine disdain for a wrestler. Add that term to the Smart Mark Dictionary. And thanks and have a wonderful day. Uh, Jason, Batista heat versus X-Pac heat, what are your thoughts? I I say there's a difference. X-Pac heat was more (laughs) go away, we're disinterested heat is basically the the definition of that one. Batista is more, there's, there's some of it, but it's just, it's more rejecting it's. I still don't know that it's completely directed at Batista, as mm. much as it is just the situation. And with Brian, you know, the, yeah, they don't want him in this role. So there's there's some difference. I get what he's saying, but there are some. There's actually some differences in, in the the style of heat that I'm just not putting into uh, to, to words very well. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It's a little. Bit, I think it's more situational uh, for Batista. Yeah, I mean he didn't come back in the best shape. He hugged the authority in the storyline context. That didn't help. The skinny jeans. I mean, there were a lot of reasons to resent Batista when he came back, but I think it's been amplified because of the Rumble. Brian, and, and, and real quick, we'll close on this note. Jason, were you surprised that the announcers, they're being produced to really acknowledge this, that, you know, Jerry Lawler acknowledged, yeah, I mean, Brian wasn't even the Rumble. And, you know, as reasons why the audience is so rabid for Brian and so against Batista, I mean, they're they're openly acknowledging these things that everybody's been talking about now. I mean, before it was kind of like, mm, let's not draw attention to it. Now you have Lawler saying, yeah, Brian wasn't even the Rumble. Um, or is all that going to be you know, streamlined into the storyline, which is the authorities kind of against Brian? Yeah, I don't it, know which way to go on that. It does. It tells me they have a direction now. They know where they're going with this. I, I don't know exactly where it is. Maybe it is a heel turn tonight. It would be very odd for them to do a full-fledged heel turn on, on SmackDown rather than Raw. But, you know, maybe they'll surprise us. See, I think it'll certainly take another step in that direction, if nothing else. But, um, it, yeah, I, I think they now they know where they're going. They, they know it's going to be Triple H and Daniel Bryan, so it's start to, you know, start to, time to add a little sympathy for Bryan. He didn't get this opportunity. He was screwed here. And I, I think whatever direction they're going with Batista, if he is the, 
new John Cena, if they're going to really stick with that approach, or if this was just step one toward a heel turn, they know what it is. And so now what you're hearing the announcers, it's, it's all kind of by design. Uh, one quick question, James. Do you think that, yeah. well, a lot of the you know adult males that are passionately booing Batista now, if he does go full-fledged heel, do they start to cheer him? <laughs> if he's not working Daniel Bryan, of course. Right, right. Oh, man, that... That I mean, that might be the experiment. Maybe they're going to experiment with that. Okay, well, we try him as a face. You don't like him. What if we What if we gave you a reason to boo him? Will you? What now? What will you do? You know, some yeah. That, I mean, we might find out tonight on SmackDown or at the SmackDown taping. What the if there's an experiment in play here? Um, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I part of me thinks it's just Batista. Doesn't matter what he's doing, who he's facing. Del Rio, Brian, Orton, CM Punk. I mean, doesn't matter. Like they're going to boo him. Like he represents their angst about the whole Brian thing. So I, I, I do wonder about that and whether they'll just boo him no matter what, whether they whether WWE frames him as a heel or keeps trying to push him forward as a face slash tweener. I, I don't know. That's, I mean, it might depend on how they how they how they present it. You know, do they how, how do they set it up and then execute and all that. So that that's interesting. That's really interesting. Um, maybe we'll find out tonight at the SmackDown taping. So I hope so. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, they're they're hyping it like he's going to tell people off. So I'm assuming there's some uh, there's a heel element to this uh, coming up tonight. So we'll find Definitely. out. Yeah. Um, all right, Jason. Well, it's been fun. Uh, nice uh, nice 90 minute live cast today. And uh, Wade should be back next Tuesday. And uh, Wade will be on the live cast on Thursday. And of course, everybody check out Jason and his membership page over at ProWrestling.net. Uh, Jason, always great talking to you. Hey, you too, and I promise I won't talk to Wade uh, by phone or in person this week, so uh, his quota won't be met until Tuesday. <laughs> and then it'll all reset again, exactly, yes. next week. So good stuff. All right, Jason, uh, have a good night, and uh, we'll talk next time. Sounds great, James. Thank you. <laughs>